If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Indeed, it is the week. We're almost through it, almost the weekend again. Is it some sort of time compression as you get older? The days seem ever shorter. Can you remember when you were a kid? You'd get home from school, you'd hang out with your mates, you'd go do all your things, you'd ride your push bike, go and cause trouble in the neighborhood, as I may have done. Um, you'd do your homework, you'd have dinner, and then you'd go watch some TV, and somehow, I don't know how, there was still a little bit more time left over at the end of the day. And you could argue that was because your young life was short and it was relative to your time on Earth. But what if, and I'm finding it all the time, all of my son's friends who are 15 are saying the same thing. I can't believe how quick the day goes. I can't believe how, you know, fast time flies. We never said that. Did any of us say that when we were 15? And then it occurred to me, it's probably all of these gadgets that we've got around us, probably all the gadgets, because, you know, if you're sitting there waiting for your hamburger at your local fish and chip shop, as I do, you don't just sit there. You don't just talk to the person next door um, or next to you, I should say, at, at the time you get on your gadgets and that 10 minutes seems like two. And I think that's what we're doing. And the problem is we're here for a very finite period of time. And one would probably suggest we should be on our gadgets less. We should be doing and advocating for many of those things that we used to do, and not just for us, but for our kids and our grandkids. I think that would be a terrific uh, thing to do. And hence why, as of this weekend, I'm going to make a conscious effort to do things a little bit more old school, to keep off the gadgets as much as I can. I know I need them for work and I know you probably do as well, but let's uh, let's make a commitment to ourselves. I think we could elongate our lives somewhat or certainly our perception thereof if we do that. Having said that, thank you, Chris Smith. He'll be back tomorrow here at TNT. I'll be talking to Gemma Cooper very soon. Jeremy Beck uh, and I have a lot to chat about this afternoon, including some revelations that we may have some people who have their, their foreign interests above our own. Uh, ASIO figuring out that we have people who uh, we can't trust in government and one who is a former politician who still has access to Parliament House. I could argue um, that comes in many flavours and uh, a lot of it done right in front of us. Uh, foreign interests uh, being put forward of their um, our own. I would argue that is the case. I'll be talking to Jeremy Beck about that. And of course, Paul McGowan, love Paul McGowan. He has no filter at all. He says exactly what it is that's on his mind. We'll be chatting with him about a bunch of topics concerning the world and the UK at the uh, second half of the hour. Lots going on at the moment, but uh, Mitch McConnell, have any of you, um, surely you have seen the movie Weekend at Bernie's where they, you know, Bernie has a house, Bernie's a rich guy, and they were invited to a party at Bernie's, but Bernie carked it. And rather than miss out on all the opportunities that, that would have been afforded by Bernie, they just cart Bernie around his corpse and uh, like a large ventriloquist doll, you know, if you will. Um, and that's a bit like Mitch McConnell. He's he's a he's had an he's got an off switch a couple of times. He's been in front of the cameras and just absolutely froze. I mean, literally froze. Now, apparently, he's the longest-serving U.S. Senate leader. He's stepping down from the top job in the November, but he's not retiring. He's going to serve out his term. Now, this is a guy who, in any other job, any other job, I mean, if he was on the local board at the golf club, they'd ask him to stand down. Bernie, uh, sorry, I shouldn't say Bernie, Mitch, I get him confused. Uh, you're not up to it. 
You're not up to it. You should step down. But here they are controlling what they would have you believe is the most powerful country in the world. Used to be, not anymore. And these people are still having the top jobs. You know, Mitch McConnell, bye-bye. Uh, allegedly a conservative. I don't think so. Not really. Um, and Joe Biden, he's every bit as bad as him. You could argue he's worse. I've never seen Joe Biden just completely stop. He may say the wrong thing. He may get Russia and China and other countries confused with each other. But at least he kind of keeps going. And uh, But no, not so with Mitch McConnell. But Mitch, uh, take a break. Go get some well-deserved rest and do it tomorrow. Don't don't have us endure you any longer. Barnaby taking a bit of a, a break after that incident, allegedly falling off a pot plant and laying on his back and using all kinds of profanity. And how did they spin that? They got the guy who videotaped him as he walked past and they called him a grub because he didn't apparently, you know, offer any assistance. Well, I would suggest after watching the video, you wouldn't think the guy did need any assistance, maybe just some recovery time and someone to put him to bed, bedtime for, for Barnaby, as it were. But uh, no, he had to take the week off. Party leader David Littleproud said that after, <clears throat> after that, he was advised uh, that, uh, you know, by Mr. Little Proud Barnaby was advised he should take a break. And uh, a well-deserved one, Barnaby, uh, that hangover, yeah, can be quite the uh, thing. He suggested that he mix, mixed alcohol with the wrong prescription medication. I've seen people do that. That didn't look like that. It just looked like somebody who was highly intoxicated who basically half passed out on the footpath. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I'm probably not. But Barnaby, uh, that red face, that purple beetroot-coloured face of yours, it's rather telling. It is rather telling. They're having some problems over in the Ukraine because they've got all these F-16s and nobody can fly them. They literally can't fly them. They, they're training up pilots now. I, mean, I shouldn't laugh. It's rather horrific. Young people are being trained up to fly these F-16s. Now, some people could argue, and we've heard rumours, there are a lot of mercenaries over there getting actively involved. And when they get caught or killed, they're saying that they're volunteers. That is the, the, the party line. That's the narrative that we're supposed to believe. But they're not. They're being paid and they're being paid big money. In fact, uh, this is a war where you are very highly, extremely likely to die and how they can get any kind of mercenary over there to do this. But they're, they're having us believe that they would train up these young pilots to be their, their Ukrainian top guns to go up against some absolutely massively uh, well-equipped and trained Russian fighter pilots and munitions. And uh, it's not going to end well, and it doesn't end there. The government uh, is having a bit of a falling out with the civilians, um, uh, sorry, the civilian government having a bit of a falling out with the military there and um, asking them to do all sorts of things that the military are saying are impossible with what they have, or more importantly, what they don't have. But uh, the rift seems to be getting bigger and bigger as referenced by a good article in the Russia Today um, website, which I've run out of time to talk about. Time goes very quick when you... Uh, Talk about various things, but yeah, get on to rt.com and type in you. Uh, what is it? Ukraine general reveals rift between army and government. Read that article; it is terrific and rather telling of their current situation, which is dire. And with those ninety thousand uh, NATO peacekeepers, call them that if if they will, um, who go over there to free up ninety thousand young people who really would much rather be guarding Kiev than out on the front lines getting you know, killed by drones and artillery, highly accurate artillery. Now it's just going to be a horrific ending. And the only people who are going to win are those who supply munitions and medical care. The, you know, big pharma, 
the military industrial complex are the only people that ever win these type of things, are they not? And uh, you can advocate that's why they love war and uh, the West loves war because that's who makes all the money. So why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all of the major social platforms, including Facebook, X, Instagram, Gab and Getter. You can help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time here at TNT. Connecting the dots, painting the bigger picture. They always have great conversation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And Gemma Cooper, how are we today? Yeah, very good. Excited to hear about your digital detox, Dean, because I know you're a gadget man and you love all the tech and everything. So I wonder if you're going to go a bit cold turkey over the weekend trying to go back to old school. But you're quite right. Time didn't speed up like it like it does now for young people. It, time stretched on forever when we were kids, didn't it? But I think you're on the right track this weekend. I'll be interested to see you on Monday if you're sweating and twitching. <laughs> Give me my phone. <laughs> Give me my phone. <laughs> now, th- there are certain things uh, like I've got a motorbike that I hardly ever ride. So the the BMW motorbike's coming out this weekend. I've got a boat that's been sitting there since June of 2020. I remember when uh, they said you couldn't go fishing in your own boat during the COVID lockdowns. And of course, so I immediately took the boat out, but the boat had a problem, but it's been sitting there because I couldn't get anybody to fix it during COVID. So it's been sitting there for three years. Well, that's going to make a comeback. And uh, it's it's I, I, I'll take it that far out. I won't have phone service. So it'll, it'll be okay. Gemma, what are you got for us today? Well, just before, oh, that sounds idyllic, I must say. It sounds absolutely idyllic way to spend some time. Um, what I've got today is fresh off our coverage of uh, Assange in, in London last week, the Julian Assange hearing for City, whether he could appeal his extradition. Uh, TNT have been out live uh, and there'll be a full report today on, on the Freeman report with James Freeman in a few hours' time. But Wales yesterday saw the biggest farming protest the country has ever seen. Now, we have seen a few British farmers start to come out onto the streets. A few weeks ago, British farmers just in England on the port of Dover protesting against cheap imports and they're joining the great swathes of farmers across Europe and in India all protesting their governments against uh, new restrictions and subsidy rules and all kinds of agenda 2030 things that they want to bring in including in Wales uh, they want to farm all farmers to give over 20 percent of their land to, to trees and wildlife essentially rewilding which is a key part of agenda 2030 plans also they, they're um, complaining in Wales about post-Brexit subsidies plans and there's been a huge consultation which finishes next week uh, where people have made their feelings very clear but they've said the government's not listening and yesterday afternoon they descended on the capital of Wales Cardiff en masse the police South Wales police have said oh we think there were probably about 3,000 they came in their tractors they blocked the roads or the main roads into the capital the official figures are 3,000 looking at the images and looking at some other reports it's closer to 10 Dean huge crowds there uh, as the Welsh farmers gathered galvanise en masse. Now, they're not renowned for their radicalness, farmers in the UK. They're very keen to keep the public on side. They were stressing this was a demonstration and not a protest. But TNT were there. We were on the ground. James Freeman and our cameraman Callum were there. They did a live report into the Freeman show yesterday, just before the protest got underway. Uh, And then after we came off air, that's when things really did kick off. There there are lots of images of the tractors blocking the roads into Cardiff. Uh, And also farmers took to the stand. I mean, one, uh, one former rugby player, Nigel, Owens, who's now turned farmer, he addressed the crowd to absolutely huge cheers. Uh, We had a farming union representative. She got some boos when she started talking about the fact that farmers do need to meet net zero targets. That didn't go down well at all. But interestingly, the first minister of Wales, Mark Drayford, he was nowhere to be seen. 
He was in Brussels running away, uh, meeting at renewable energy leaders and having his photo taken with them. He didn't even have the courtesy to address the farmers. Some say he is running scared. The government said it has listened to the Welsh farmers. Uh, the Welsh farmers say they're not listening enough. Uh, they've already had many, many go slow tractor protests across the country. They haven't worked. So yesterday, this was the big one. Uh, there are kind of official reports coming in. Uh, as I say, you know, the police are saying one thing, that the crowds, the images of the crowds suggest another. But TNT will have its own exclusive report here on it all uh, with James Freeman in a few hours time. He was talking to all the key players uh, down at the Senate in Cardiff. Uh, and it you know, it just shows the reach now that TNT, we can be at these big global, and they are global stories, uh, getting the real reaction on the ground and not the reaction that the police or the government or the mainstream media want us to have. And I'm very much looking forward to what he's got to say. I really love what's happening with the farmers over there. I've been watching a lot of video and I've noticed in a lot of places and I could be wrong about this, but I've noticed the police are having a very soft approach to how they deal with them, suggesting a lot of the police officers may indeed be on side with what the farmers are doing. And I would like to think that is the case. And I was hoping that would be the case during COVID, but of course it wasn't. We had a dreadful, uh, all the good police were kicked out because they wouldn't get the jab. And those who remained were those who, who succumbed and did whatever. I would hope that after the last four years, moving forward and seeing that, you know, these are the people who feed those police officers. These are the people who feed their kids. So you would hope that their hearts would be in the right place. Their minds would be in the right place. They'd say, stuff the government. We're going to look after these guys. And if they want to block the roads, uh, let's make all the discomfort be on the government side. Let's have them answer for what they've created. And uh, I love shows like um, Clarkson's Farm. And even though it was a much smaller scale, it gave us uh, an, an insight into the bureaucracy and the BS and how far local, even councils, let alone government, federal government, will go just to stop you. And, and all the things that they said they wanted little um, farms to do, diversify. There he was with this terrific shop, thousands and thousands upon people coming into the local community. And there was the council trying to shut it down. And you ramp that up to a to a federal level, and it's exactly what they're doing. They're, ruin they're ruining our foreign trade. They're ruining lives and, and li livestock even. But to, to take 20 20%, 20% of your farmable land and advocate you should go and put land where you can go and get badges and all these other creatures that are going to run around and spread disease. I mean, it's going to invite a whole bunch of other problems into the farm. And, and the farmers are so close to, to, you know, financially failing as it is. They really just want to push them over the edge, don't they? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's in lockstep, of course. You know, it's not just isolated to one country. This is happening right across the world. In fact, in northern Spain this week, more farmers took to the streets that haven't yet. The Catalonian farmers are now in Barcelona protesting against water shortages and they show no signs of leaving. You know, as the ones in Greece and Athens and in Madrid and Spain withdrew a few days ago, the ones in northern Spain have now descended on Barcelona. The Indian farmers as well. It's interesting you talk about the relationship with the police uh, because uh, it kicked off uh, last week and a few days ago with the Indian farmers advancing on New Delhi. Uh, the police um, fired tear gas and rubber bullets. And the Indian farmers looked at the police and said, don't do this. You're our brethren. Stand with us. Stand with us. You need us. So and the weight of public opinion in every single country in the world is behind the farmers, which is, I think, why the police are trying to take a more softly, softly approach, possibly not in India, but certainly in Europe. And yesterday, you know, the, the demonstration, which is what the farmers were calling it, not a protest, it was allowed to go off peacefully. It did go off peacefully. Uh, and the public are very much in support, very much in support. But it is lockstep 
It is lockstep, just like four years ago, every single country in the world trying to put very similar restrictions on the farmers. But this time there is a very swift pushback. It's not taking people a few years to go, hang on a minute, this isn't right. It's happening straight away. So let, let's take that as a win. And I'll definitely tune into James Freeman's show later for the real story of what happened yesterday in Wales. Absolutely. Everybody stay tuned all day to TNT, wherever you happen to be. And uh, of course, you'll be back next hour with uh, Sonia Poulton. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Gemma Cooper, I appreciate you. And you're not here tomorrow. I'll talk to you on Monday. See you on Monday after your digital detox. <laughs> I'll be all the better for it. And the weekend will be a long one. I promise. We get a long year this year, by the way, people, because it is a leap year. You get that extra day. And in fact, we're on it right now, the 29th of February. There, who says you get nothing for nothing? We've got Jeremy Beck coming up after the break right here at TNT. TNT's Kate Shimarani. Nelson Mandela was once a terrorist. He was a terrorist. And, and then all of a sudden he was a hero because you were told to think so. And we saw that with Tedros. Tedros from the World Health Organization <laughs> tells you nothing about health. Um, he was once wanted in his own country for crimes against his own people on a most wanted terrorist list. But now we have to listen to Tedros talking, well, I don't listen, but talking rubbish. So what you have to kind of think to yourself right now is everything that you're told is an inversion. Kate Shamarani on today's News Talk TNT. This is generally the view of people, oh, we don't know much about Assange. Well, you should know, because whether you know it or not, he is fighting for you. For your courage and leadership and tenacity in journalism and publishing. Since 2010, Assange has been held in progressively narrower, darker, colder and crueler spaces. He has been detained since the 7th of December 2010 in one form or another. And we are now here after years of imprisonment. WikiLeaks is a non-state hostile intelligence service. I think the man is a high-tech terrorist. A high-tech terrorist. A traitor, a treasonist. He has to answer for what he has done. Assange faces up to 175 years in prison for publishing classified documents exposing U.S. war crimes. The U.S. government narrative about Julian is a complete fraud. It is a complete fraud from A to Z. Julian took on the most powerful countries in the world, basically all of them. We now have confirmed that there were plans to kidnap Julian here in the center of London or even assassinate him. No one who instigated that illegal and immoral war has been brought to justice. But the great truth teller sits behind bars. If wars can be started by lies, peace can be started by truth. Julian Assange is a hero. What if everything we thought we knew about somebody was a lie? Would we be willing to go on a new journey of understanding? This is a story of deception, lies, bravery, and a man who risked everything to bring the truth to light. Mr. Assange shows all the symptoms that are typical for a person that has been exposed to psychological torture over a prolonged period of time. He looked at me intensely and said, I hate to say this, 
He then hesitated, visibly troubled and searching for words. And then he finally said, Please, save my life. May future generations have the ability to speak without restraint. May our children and their children know truth and have access to information that leads to justice. Wherever Julian goes, free speech goes with him. If there is a bird that is about to take flight, stretch her wings and rule the skies, may it be a pista and no longer a bald eagle. If you think Assange is a traitor, he's a rapist, he's a narcissist, he's a hacker, I don't blame you because you have been deceived. And if you think you've not been deceived, that's normal because otherwise it wouldn't be deception. Time to switch on today's news talk radio. Very entertaining. Yeah. TNT. And welcome back. G'day, g'day to everybody in the uh, online chat. Kevin's there, WFS, as I like to abbreviate. We, that, I, I, I don't even know if that third word is um is actually rude somewhere or not, or what that means. So I'll just call you WFS, who is one of our regulars. And uh, I agree with you, WFS, on most of the stuff that you say in online chat. And whilst I don't always comment, I'm always reading it. And uh, and uh, you do that very well. And uh, thank you, Holly, who is suggesting I'm doing a sterling job this morning over there. I think Holly's over in the UK, could be here in Australia. I'll find out imminently, uh, as you will from Jeremy Beck, he is a producer here at TNT. He's my producer. He's Chris Smith's producer as well. He's an independent political and media consultant. He's got decades of experience in studying and writing about globalization. He's covered many subjects that are related, including COVID-19, climate alarmism, and the World Effin, uh, Economic Forum. Isn't it funny? I almost said effin. Effin, like go and get effed, weft, as Malcolm Roberts likes to say. I'm going to steal that, by the way. Uh, he has a degree with honours in mechanical engineering and computing, and he's an all-around good guy. Jeremy Beck, how are you going? Yeah, great, Dean. Yes, uh, we are getting effed uh, with this globalist weft. agenda, aren't we? So, We're getting weft. Yeah. yeah. Weft, yeah, World Economic Forum. Now, uh, I have a, a couple of themes uh, today. Well, one theme, actually, it's on spies. Uh, first story Yesterday, ASIO Director General Mike Burr just delivered his annual threat assessment. Uh, and in that assessment, he said his agency had blown the cover of a sophisticated foreign interference operation that involved a former politician betraying the country. Uh, now, he said several years ago, the A-team successfully cultivated and recruited a former Australian politician. This politician sold out their country, party, and former colleagues to advance the interests of the foreign regime. At one point, the former politician even proposed bringing a prime minister's family member into the spy's orbit. Fortunately, that plot did not go ahead, but other schemes did. Now, uh, the uh, boss of ASIO, Burgess, uh, he's put out this, but he hasn't given any details. He won't name the country, country. he won't name the individuals. And many people are asking questions, Dean. Now, one question uh, that I've seen in a media release coming from Senator Malcolm Roberts' office, uh, and the media release is traitor, former politician may still have access to Parliament House. 
Uh, and very true point, uh, the government has refused to confirm whether the former politician who sold out Australia to advance the interests of a foreign regime still has access to Parliament House. Former parliamentarians are automatically entitled to passes which grant them access to private areas of Parliament House in Canberra, Senator Roberts said. Uh, now, the former politician that in ASIO spy chief's words sold out their country to advance the interests of a foreign regime could be sitting in an office in Parliament House right now and no one would know. Uh, instead of treating this concern seriously, the government's response to my question on this was laughter. Uh, now, the government of or, or ASIO chief Mike Burgess must name this traitor, says Malcolm Roberts' office, um, as soon as possible. This cloud over Parliament's security must be fixed immediately. Uh, now, a, a very interesting story, Dean. Um, certainly, we haven't been told very much, have we? We haven't. Uh, I, I did write the quote. You said, a sophisticated foreign interference program. I like to call them the government. Uh, in general, I mean, I think I think we've covered them all. Uh, when it comes to traitors, I, I, how long you got? I'll give you a list of names, a mile long, and they've been voted in. Uh, it's absolutely horrific, and they're worried about people passing on information. What about the ones who are selling off our land? What about the ones who are uh, sending all this money for a, a climate hoax? What about these ones that are pushing all these weird social agendas? What about the ones ruining our kids' education system and, uh, system and putting porn in the ch children's libraries? Mate, these are the people who are ruining our country, not just, not just talking about it, not just giving out information, but doing it on a day-by-day -day basis. So I'd say, mate, our almost our entire political system is infiltrated by people such as that, if not worse. A hundred percent, Dean. I couldn't say better than that. And and we have ourselves to blame for our own demise as Australia. It's our politicians who've sold us out and we elected those politicians. People have been too foolish to keep voting in the same rotten politicians yep. who've destroyed our country. Now, you have a look at what ASIO has done. Have they protected Australia's interests? No, not at all. So until we have further details, I'm really not too sure what this is about, uh, other than a lot of scaremongering from ASIO. They haven't named the country. They haven't named the individual politician. They haven't given us any details. Mate, you know, it's like a conversation that we had off air earlier today when it comes to, you know, politicians and we get these ones and they're allegedly conservative. Oh, they're terrific. They're anti-immigration, you know, mass immigration. They're, they're anti, you know, trying to get our kids to turn trans when they're and put them on puberty blockers. They're anti all this ludicrous stuff that never should have happened throughout history, never, ever would have happened, except for maybe the last 30 or 40, 50 years, certainly straight after the Second World War, uh, some people might imagine. So all these politicians we think are good are those who all they're doing is advocating against this narrative, this crazy narrative, right, saying that these things are bad, and we all know that. At the same time, forget what they say, watch what they do, because while they say mass immigration is bad, there's, there's still 200,000 people coming in, into our country every year. They're still allowing all the nonsense to go on in the schools. They're still allowed, allowing kids to go on puberty blockers. Mate, we're getting sucked in. 
sucked into this game. And it's like, you know, Donald Trump, people go, he's terrific. Why? Because he advocated for American jobs, because he stopped uh, people coming over the border illegally, things that even the law would suggest, the, the term illegal, alien. And here we are going, what terrific people these are. And again, it's not really what they are doing. It's a matter of what are they not doing? Are they reversing any of the damage that's been done over the last decade or four? And they're not, none of them, mate. They're all in lockstep globally across the world. So, mate, when it comes to talking spies, infiltrators and uh, traitors, mate, we are just absolutely up to our eyeballs in them. And I'm fed up. And, mate, as you said, um, you know, we've got ourselves to blame. We've been too quiet for too long, too inactive for too long. Thank God for these bloody farmers getting out there and they're actually doing something and they're going to get a result. And only only people in big pharma, sorry, when I say big pharma, I mean active people like doctors and nurses. I mean, if they all, they can bring this country to a stop, they can bring the government to a halt. The farmers can do that as well. There are a couple of groups who can literally control the politicians and they need to start doing it. And the farmers Obviously, people out, rural people are always the best, always the smartest and the most in tune with themselves and do good things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I know what you're saying. I, I do have another story and I know you have to go to a news break. So perhaps we should take that break because uh, this is a powerful one on Putin and who's tracking Putin. Uh, I think people are going to be interested in this one. Mate, absolutely. We'll talk about that right here at TNT after this break. Today's News Talk Radio. We, we, we do have some big news. What is it? Yeah, what is it? What is it now? TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with your TNT headlines. It's been revealed the word peace wasn't mentioned once in this week's meeting of European leaders and Western officials who met in Paris to discuss the war in Ukraine. I was very surprised that there was not a single word about any peace plan or peace initiative. And the African nation of Mali is strengthening its ties with Moscow and turning to Russia for help after the UN failed to restore peace and stability in the country. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live. And welcome back. Good morning to Brett Atkinson, who's saying good day in the online chat. Plenty of others in there if you'd like to get involved we'd love you to do it it's uh it's a great way to pass the time while you listen you can listen and you can advocate for uh, things that you would like us to talk about if you've got any guests you'd like to have us uh have on the program you can either do that in the online chat or you can go to the tntradio.live website and suggest a guest or a topic for us to talk about fortunately i have a producer who does a lot of that for me he is wonderful and i'm talking to him right now jeremy beck how's it going yeah, great, Dean. And the second story, which is part of the same theme today of spying, uh, this is uh, in Russia, well, about Russia and Putin. A US tech firm, Planet Risk, which has close ties to the CIA and the Pentagon, has reportedly used a powerful tool to try and track the movements of Vladimir Putin. Uh, now, Planet Risk reportedly created the tool, originally named Locomotive, but later rebranded as VISR, Virtual Intelligence, Surveillance and Reconnaissance, to tap into geolocation data by used, uh, used by digital advertisers and was supposedly able to snoop on people close to the Russian president so as to gain information on his whereabouts. 
Wired magazine uh, has reported that a researcher, Mike Yagley, in 2015 was allegedly hired by Place IQ after the company received an investment from CIA's venture capital arm in Qtel. Uh, now, CIA was interested in the software that could analyze and understand geographic movement of people and things. Wired Magazine referred to former Wall Street Journal reporter Byron Toe's new just-released book titled Means of Control, How the Hidden Alliance of Tech and Government is Creating a New American Surveillance State. Uh, now, the book referred uh, to Mike Yeagley and his work in obtaining unique data sets for government agencies. Now, um, the book claimed that after acquiring a data set on Russia, uh, the, the team uh, realised that it could track phones in the Russian president Vladimir Putin's entourage. Uh, now, while none of the devices in question could be linked to Putin Personally, Planet Risk believed that it had access to the smartphones that belonged to the drivers, the security personnel, the political aides, and other support staff close to Putin. Well, enough of them so as to get a pretty good idea of where Putin is. Now, I'm not too sure what to make of this. I would have thought Putin would be well and truly onto these sorts of plans, Dean. Mate, I would agree. Um, if we're finding about it here in the mainstream media, if that's where the story came from originally, um, I would strongly suggest that the Russians have known about that. Uh, in fact, the Russians are quite smart. I would suggest if they knew about it, they could use that as a kind of distraction and send them off on a wild goose chase if they wanted to. Having said that, even if they knew where Vladimir Putin is, I, I dare say they wouldn't have the guts to do anything to him in his own country. It would be very difficult to find somebody to work against Putin in his own country. Here, let's say, for example, there was somebody in the Labor Party who was betraying Albanese behind the scenes. They might get sacked. They might get in trouble. Over in Russia, they're likely to, to wake up and be a little bit radioactive if they go and do something along those lines or find themselves in a prison where they die shortly thereafter of unknown uh, reasons. They, they tend to do that to people who betray uh, their nation over in Russia, uh, unlike what we're doing here, where made it would be very easy to do trackers. You want to talk about just trackers in general, um, the technology that allows you to buy a Samsung smart tag or an air tag from Apple. Uh, they've ruined that here. And I just want to quickly touch upon this. Um, you can buy these things for $40 or $50 and you can hide it away in a laptop bag, put it on your keys to find your keys, hide it away in one of your caravans in case somebody steals it. And what, what have the main tech companies done now? Because people were using those to spy on their exes or their wives, spouses, whatever. They, now, if I have somebody with a smart tag traveling with me in my car, or if I was to go and steal someone's car and there was one in there, my own phone would tell me there was one present. That's that's how crazy the whole tracking situation has gotten around the world. But mate, when it comes to uh, tracking Vladimir Putin, I dare say he feels very, very safe over while he's in Russia. I think so, Dean. And also, Russians are very patriotic people. Putin has enormous support. You compare the support, the opinion polls with Putin versus Biden or Albanese <laughs> or any of our Western yeah. leaders. People hate our leaders for good reason. Uh, the Russian people love Putin because, look, you, you look at the conditions there. You look at the, uh, for example, you go into a subway station. It's a beautiful artwork. It's not full of vandalism and drug addicts. And, and you know, it, it's just... The, the people care about each other there and they have pride in their nation. So why would they want to attack their leader who's actually pulled them out of a mess? Because they did go through a very tough 
patch, uh, the Russians in the 1990s, uh, an economic really uh, shocker. Uh, and in the last couple of decades, Putin's fought the oligarchs and brought the country back to pretty good economic conditions, considering they're fighting a major war. Yeah, and Jeremy, I mean, when you talk about their leader, he is he is theirs and he does lead. And when you talk about our leaders, they're not ours, they're put there by the global government. And to be a leader, you need people to follow you. And apart from a few very low IQ Labor and Green supporters, you know, well and truly down in the double digits, mate, I don't think we have any leaders here. I don't think we've had any leaders probably since Ben Chifley. Um, certainly no one that we, we would follow, nobody that we would uh, probably go in, into battle for these days. And certainly the kids that are growing up these days um, don't consider themselves to have any leaders as well. Jeremy Beck, you are an absolute legend. You do a terrific job on camera and you certainly do a terrific job for me behind the scenes. And I thank you uh, from the bottom of, of my heart, not just for coming on, but for being the best producer in the world. Thank you, Jeremy Beck. Thanks, Dean. Great to be on your show. All right, everyone, hang around. I've missed him, but he's back. I'll be talking to Paul McGowan right here at TNT after this break. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. These people are evil. First, they lie. They, no, no, the jab is safe and effective. You have to take it because it's safe and effective. It's for the greater good. And then they'll deny that people that were injured were injured by the jab, which was so safe and effective. And now when they're finally forced to admit, yeah, your paralysis, it's from the mod RNA gene therapy injection. But we're gonna make it up to you, the doctors in Canada say to the paralyzed woman. We're going to allow you to opt for euthanasia. I'm not making that up. Go check out the story. With these people, all roads lead to death. They are a death cult on a mission of spreading death far and wide. They want to kill people. They want to kill as many people as possible. They're on record as saying they want no more than 500 million people on Earth. The only problem, we have 7.5 billion people on Earth. They want to get rid of 7 billion people, and they're doing it slowly but surely. They need to be stopped, and they need to be stopped now. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for today's News Talk TNT. <laughs> My baby's back from the West Coast. <laughs> Hear those pictures that you asked for for your school project? First day of school, cute as a button. <laughs> so long ago. Oh, here's Grandma Florence after that flood wiped out the whole neighborhood. Sometimes I just cannot believe all the storms we've gone through here. I can only hope that we'll be able to leave this house to you one day, baby. You're our legacy. Planning for these disasters will make sure we're safe. And it's the best way to protect that legacy. Ah, those beans smell heavenly. <laughs> Give mom a little credit. You know what? We should make an emergency communication plan. That way we're ready this year. Oh, great idea. At my dorm, we have emergency kits for earthquakes and wildfires, but I'm sure there's something more local I can send you with the link. Okay. Smart. I'm coming to share with you guys. Protect your legacy. Plan for natural disasters today. Visit ready.gov forward slash plan. JDRF's vision is to create a world without type 1 diabetes. The type 1 diabetes community is at the heart of everything JDRF does. We were founded by the type 1 diabetes community. In the main, we are governed by the type 1 diabetes community, we're energised by the type 1 community and we're accountable to the type 1 diabetes community. It's on their behalf that we exist and it's on their behalf that we must succeed. 
JDRF exists to rid the world of type 1 diabetes. It's easy to say, but it's hard to do. So for us, that means rallying all the resources and all the people and all the organisations required to make that a reality as quickly as possible. The world's best researchers, exciting innovative companies and the passion of the type 1 diabetes community then delivered through the health system so lives get better every day, day after day, until the day we find a cure. To everybody in the type 1 diabetes community, no matter your age or stage with the disease, whether you were diagnosed recently or a long time ago, we need you to know that we are here working on your behalf to deliver a world without type 1 diabetes as quickly as we can. Thank you to everybody who supported JDRF in so many ways. You are making our vision of a world without type 1 diabetes possible. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And welcome back to the program. I've got people educating me in the online chat. I didn't know what the word S-H-U-G meant. And apparently it is a nickname for people named Hugh in Scotland. And it's not rude. There you go. I learn new things every day. Google could not help me with that. Uh, by the way, TNT is an indep independent global news talk station that does what the others only say they can do. It's a live radio and TV broadcaster that simply tells the truth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No one in the world does what we do here at TNT. We're crisscrossing the globe, providing credible news and opinion all day and night. In the two and a half years that we've been around, TNT has become a credible and exciting platform with brilliant hosts and staff. It's a critical time and we must continue to call out the misinformation and the propaganda from the mainstream media and their powerful sponsors. We are now appealing to our many friends and supporters around the world to get to the tntradio.live website and if you can make a small donation while we seek the right investors to further our important mission here at TNT we would absolutely love if you could do that and the other thing as well is to get people involved get people to tune in every day to TNT whether you listen or watch we love you uh, and I love this next guest Paul McGowan he is an artist he's a social commentator he's been cancelled many many times and he's probably like me very proud of that fact by the mainstream media. It is very annoying though, because we'd like to get our message out to everybody um, addressing emotive issues. His work often provokes strong reactions. He studied art at Falmouth uh, in Winchester and Bath School of Art. He's a terrific fella and he has no filter and he tells the truth every bloody time. I love him. Paul McGowan, how are you going? I'm all right, Dean. It's good to be back. I've been away for a while. But um, I'm back now, well and truly. Um, yeah, things, things have been a bit funny. I'm on crutches at the moment. And the other day, I, I, I accidentally joined the LBTQ plus movement. I was a trans for about 20 minutes. <laughs> I've, I'm going to have to get you to elaborate on that. <laughs> well, I got out of my car. I've been in hospital for like four weeks and I've, my, all my lips were split and cracked. It's the drugs I'm on. And basically, I, went, I got on my crutches and I hobbled into Boots the Chemist and I bought a lip seal, you know. Got outside the store, I put my lip seal on, put it in, I went down the sports shop to get myself some new gym shoots, um, socks and some a vest and that. So I went in the first shop, didn't like anything. Noticed the people were looking at me a bit strange, a bit strange. But I thought it was my crutches because I was on crutches. They think, what's a fellow with, on crutches doing a sports shop? So I went down the sports shop down the road, found some socks. Looked at the vest, people are still looking at me. I'm thinking, what's going on here? So I'm going down the road, thought I'm going to go back to my car. So I'm hobbling across the car park, went to put my crutches in the front passenger seat, and I caught a view of myself in the rear view mirror. And the lip seal I bought 
was a lip seal, lip seal and lipstick in one. And I had, <laughs> I thought it was cherry flavoured, but it was actually cherry coloured. And I had badly put on cherry lipstick and I was walking down the shop. So I'm just so glad it's not my hometown. Mate, thank you for, <laughs> for painting that picture. I've, I have been the victim of not quite that, but because I host public events and we've got a lot of regulars, quite often the women will come up and give you a kiss. Some of them just plant it right on your lips. And one night I had everyone looking at me for about half an hour and I realised that one girl had a very bright lipstick on and it kissed me on the lips. And there I was hosting a, a thing in a public event, you know, looking like like something out of some Rocky Horror <laughs> picture show. So, mate, been there, done that, and 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 survived it, and we we move on, mate. Lots going on in your country, mate. The people just keep coming in. Uh, this very finite space, over full to the point where it's just horrific, mate. And you got extremists amongst them. I t I tell you, when I got out of hospital, I didn't watch any politics for ages. And I thought, well, maybe that situation with the Islamists in London might have calmed down a little bit by now, because it's like four weeks on. It's getting worse. It is just absolutely getting worse. I mean, they tried to ch change the way the, the House of Commons works. Lindsay Hoyle, he tried to get, a, he tried to get over li literally Islamist pressure on our politicians. They've now had to start like a, a, a politician's protection fund to protect politicians. So politicians are going around everywhere with bodyguards because of the Islamist threat. And this is now taken as normal. And once again, people started to talk out about it. Like Lee Anderson, what happened to him? They took the whip away for him and got, got rid of him. So now he may be coming to reform, so which would be a good thing. But um, it's absolutely just bizarre. When I was working as a professional artist, well, I did two events in the Houses of, Com and the Houses of Parliament, right? Now, it was all, everyone that was in that scene at the time, so it was Banky, My Dog Size, um, just everyone, all those type of artists, and we were exhibiting for this charity. We did two events there. Now, the Islamists have just projected onto Big Ben, right, for the rivers to the sea. Now, when we, and which is totally not allowed, it's totally illegal to project, to project illegally without a permit on a, on a government building in this country, especially like the mother of all parliaments. So, when some of the young lads, when we were doing the show, they put just a couple of stickers up in the toilet, and it all hell broke loose. All hell broke loose. People were going mad. And over a couple of stickers. Yet the Islamists, they can actually project um, their slogans onto their racist slogans onto the Houses of Parliament, onto Big Ben, an iconic global um, symbol of um, of Parliament and just justice and and just basically democracy. So they can do this with impunity. And it's just got to the point now where. The two-tier policing is absolutely un... It's just unsustainable. I mean, people just cannot live under this, this influence of everyone scared to say anything to Islam. And this is becoming more and more um, apparent every single day that um, it's almost... It's like, like London is gone. Right? London is gone. It's uh, Kakan, right? The Anderson lost the whip for saying that... Um, Khan's mates, you know, were extremists. Well, he has a history of hanging around and defending extremists. I'm sorry, he was telling the truth. There's, um, what, what can you, how can it be disputed? I don't know, but the likes of Ella Braveman, the Tories got rid of him, you know? And, you know, it's just that, 
I, I, you know, British people to say we are frustrated would be a massive understatement. Mate, I think we've been too quiet for too long. I can hear the ghost of Enoch Powell saying, I told you so, and he did. Mate, it is he absolutely... Did say, yeah. He did, mate. He, he said, you know, that the, what was it? The streets would run red with blood. And I can see the point where, mate, we're going to have... There's a, a movie coming out in, in America uh, or around the world based on a civil war in America coming out, I do believe, in April. And apart from the outcome where you can almost, you know, uh, bet that the left, it'll be lefties versus middle America, you can bet that and the lefties will win because it's a Hollywood uh, movie. But, mate, that thing is probably going to read like some sort of uh, uh, like a prophecy, the way things are going over there. I can see that happening in all these countries uh, with mass out-of-control multiculturalism. And it's not a racial thing. It certainly is a culture thing. You can't have multi-cultures. You can't have a, oh, well, you know, we've got 100% Aussie culture. Now we've got 20% this culture. We can't have 420% culture with every percentage that someone else's culture encroaches on yours. That's a percent that you've lost. So, uh, mate, moving forward, it's it's very sad that we will not have anything that even resembles what was the culture that we intended for our kids. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's happening all over the West. I mean, Diversity, really, in this country seems to mean the removal of all British values and any British traditions, because everything's, everyone finds all our traditions offensive, basically. And we're meant to accept all theirs, but I find a lot of theirs totally acceptable, unacceptable. I mean, I don't think women should be covered up from head to toe. I think that's absolutely disgraceful. I think you should be banned immediately. Um, you know, less clothes for women, that's what I say. Um, but the thing is about with Khan, he's such an extremist. This is what annoys me about Lee Anderson having the whip taken away from him. Khan went onto Iranian TV and called moderate Muslims Uncle Toms. So he called the moderates Uncle Toms. So basically, he doesn't like them, so he's siding with the extremists. And that was on Iran TV. And he's okay to be London mayor, you know? It's just all, all totally, it's, it's bizarro world. And it is actually, um, it's taking, it's destroying the moral of this country. And they keep trying to get all these people from different cultures to join our forces and the military. Well, they're not going to join because they don't like us. They don't want to go and fight against other Arabs or other Muslims. They just won't do it. They just don't, you know, there's, I've, it's just an impossible situation. You know, and I'm, I've got this fear that at one point we will get into a war with an with a Islamic country. Everyone will protest, protest it, and some imam will come up and say, stand up on the street, because these are all fighting aged men, a lot of them coming in. They'll, they'll stand up and they'll go, attack everybody, do that, and you'll have millions of people just rushing around attacking people. Because, you know, the, the Quran is their government, you know, it's not, it's different here, you know. But um, they will never accept it. And I watched a video of, them, of um, one of talking about how we're going to take over Britain the other day and the three different ways to do it. Um, and their problem was, he said in the videos, the trouble is they do own the army and they've got, you know, they're in the army. So how are we going to take that over? So that's a massive problem. So, but I, why can't I just come here and live? Because a lot, it's, you know, I do know loads of good Muslims. I worked with them for 20 years, you know. But they kind of run away from extremism in the 70s. You know, there's a difference to the ones that come in now. You could argue, you know, that there's a group that want to take over Britain, I would suggest that the, the group who are behind all of this uh, aren't the group that want to take over but want to 
destroy Britain, destroy Australia. It's an orchestrated effort. You can only do it if you controlled media, if you controlled the politicians, because without them, this would have ended before it began. And of course, not only uh, are they not on side with us, you know, uh, promoting that we should be able to maintain our own culture, but of course they promote the cultures of others while they call us names. Mate, it is really rather horrific. It is an orchestrated attack. You could argue it is World War Three, but it's just done through other methods. It's like, yeah, it's like a different type of warfare. Um, but, you know, if you live in the country, they say you're running away from it, but it's not, which is why they got all the indigenous population out of London. They set up, they replaced with like any rented flats, they set up companies that are just, just specialists, um, just for migrants. So people would be evicted, they'd be offered accommodation in places far away like Medway. There used to be videos of all this on YouTube, but they've all been removed, I will add. You know, it's obvious why they've been removed. And they just, everything is for migrants. And, and a few years back, my son, who lives, who lives, who was living in London at the time, and lives just outside now because um, it's so expensive and difficult to live in London. They got offered a place outside of London in Orpington. But um, he was working um, as a gas fitter and he was working on this brand new um, block of flats, basically. And um, it wasn't a tower block, it was just a, just a big block of flats, but they were really nice apartments. So he thought, I'm going to get my name down first to move into one of these. And he was told, no, these are for migrants only. How bizarre yeah. is that? It, so you've it got, is. In Britain, we've got such a homeless family problem, but we've got pe families living in tents in people's gardens, like their friends' gardens, and they're living out of tents. I'm not talking about the homeless people on the streets. I'm talking about families that have lost their home, and then they've got a friend say, look, can we, I can't live on the street with my little children, and they are living in tents in people's gardens with their children and getting them up, taking them to school, all from these tents. And this is becoming the new thing. And surely the indigenous people should be getting the homes and the people coming in should be living like that. Well, it, it, <laughs> people it's, it's funny, taxes. Paul, it's funny that you mentioned indigenous because, yes, whilst they advocate for indigenous people who have been replaced by, if, or, you know, their, their words, white people, when it comes to the lands where that the white people are the indigenous, indigenous seems to mean nothing. No, it means nothing at all. It's almost like you're not allowed to say it if you're white, that you're indigenous. You know, it, that's that's a real, like, massive problem. Because, you, you know, because it... I think his phone may have dropped out. Yeah, I think Paul's phone may have dropped out. Anyway, we've only got a, a few seconds to go. Paul, if you can hear me, I don't know what happened, but if you can hear me, mate, thank you for coming on the program. We'll get Paul back on again in the next couple of weeks again because I know you are massive fans of his over there in the UK. I'm a bit of a fan of his as well. And for those of you listening over in the UK, I, I, we had a, a massive thing happen here recently with Craig Kelly, the leader of one of our major minor right-wing parties, the United Australia Party. He uh, jumped ship after being the national director of UAP uh, and has gone now with One Nation, who is probably our primary hope for this particular country, Pauline Hanson's One Nation. And we here at TNT on my particular program got Malcolm Roberts, who I would suggest is our best politician here in Australia, uh, the most fair income, definitely, uh, and to welcome Craig into the fold. I wonder 
what the chances of having that happen over there in the UK, UKIP reform, heritage, etc., etc. Those people all coming together and becoming one super party. And uh, wouldn't we have a super party if they ever got into government and controlled everything that is used to be the norm? Wouldn't it be nice to return to normal to advocate for what is fair, what is real, and certainly for our own type and where white people are indigenous? I'd like to hear the word indigenous used exactly the way it's used everywhere else in the world. My name's Dean Mack and this is TNT. Sonia Poulton coming up after the break and I'll catch you all tomorrow and I'll be saying thank God it's Friday then. See you tomorrow.